The following is a fourth-hand production. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Good Old Sad Times. Uh, it's good to have you here. Uh, for those of you who have never listened to this show, just to let you know, let me give you a little brief summary. Uh, we're all uh, struggling through life one way or another. We're all a little bit sad uh, from time to time or all the time or, you know, somewhere in the middle. And it's my belief that uh, people don't really talk about that too much. Uh, and it's my, be- I guess, my not my belief. That's my uh, observation of objective reality. Uh, and people don't talk about it too much. And I think there's there can be a lot gained by people telling their stories uh, about how they acted when they were sad or uh, t- traumatic events that have happened in their life and how they've dealt with it and how their family has dealt with it. And uh, it can hopefully make all of us feel a little bit less alone. Um, so that's kind of the goal of sad times for uh, those of you who uh, have never listened. I, I, I encourage you to support our sponsors. The first being the uh, existential gaping maw that is life, <laughs> and uh, the second, of course, uh, is fuck cigarettes. Uh, fuck cigarettes are the best cigarettes. And to be clear, I'm not saying fuck comma cigarettes. I'm saying fuck cigarettes. They look like Marlboros, but they say fuck on them. So go out. Go to your local C- oh, CVS doesn't sell cigarettes anymore. Go to your local Walgreens or a gas station and get yourself a pack of fuck. Just just say I'm here for the fuck. All right. So uh, <clears throat> anyway, that's sad times. Um, wanted to bring you in today. I have a friend of mine who I just met last year, really last summer. Uh, his name is Bob Legear. Hey, Bob. How are you? Uh, I'm all right, man. How are you? I'm well. Um, before we get started. Mm-hmm. Are fuck cigarettes actually really good? They're great. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Because as you know, someone who quit smoking, yeah, the occasional me one, too. yeah, just makes me say fuck. It's yeah. Good. I I quit smoking almost sixteen years ago when you were negative two, <laughs> and uh, uh, I still dream that I smoke, but I have never had a quote occasional cigarette. Well, that's good. One day I'd like to. Well, yeah. well maybe if I make it to eighty, like Leonard Cohen, I'll just start fucking smoking again. There you go. See, that worked out. He's still alive, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Bob, um, I, I love to tell the story about Bob and I. Um, <clears throat> I met Bob at a, we worked at a company together briefly, and there was this buddy system that they had. And at the end of our orientation week, Bob uh, was the person who kind of took us all and got us coffee. And it was like, we're going to introduce you to your buddies here at work. Uh, and it was really friendly. And he had a metal shirt on. And I was like, ah, oh, I want to like metal more than or I like metal, but I want to know more about metal than I do. And every once in a while, Bob, I'd see him and we'd kind of nod to each other and, and had a metal shirt. Well, one day he was coming to work when I was going to pee because I'm old. And uh, <laughs> uh, he had a, a, a T-shirt on. And I said, oh, man, that shirt. And Bob, it's as if he was beleaguered. It's like, oh, I got to explain this again. He's like, yeah, it's a band. They're called Ween. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I fucking know who Ween is, man. I love Ween. And then we became good buddies after that. Ween's about as metal as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, all the Mastodon shirts shrunk. And now oh, really? um, the lovely Taylor Smith wears them as nightgowns. <laughs> because awesome. shirts that don't fit me are still a nightgown on a normal sized person. Yeah, you're a tall, tall, tall man. Uh, so, Bob, uh, you're you're a big music fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you're from. We've met in Chicago. We're we're outside of Chicago right now in Berwyn. Um, you're from the Chicago area. 
I am. Yeah. Um, I was born uh, at Lagrange Hospital, um, where my mother has worked for like thirty years now. What does she do there? Uh, she's a nurse. Uh, oh. She works in an operating room. Um, there was like a, a very small stint where um, Part she of the went. Pun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but she went and worked for like a smaller office that was like opening up and. Um, it ended up like not panning out. So she literally just went back to LaGrange. Um, and so she's worked there forever, but yeah, I was born there. Um, I spent, you know, the first, like my, my very early childhood in, um, the Hillside Berkeley area. Um, that's where my mother's family's from. And my dad works in Hillside, um, right now. Uh, he works for, uh, the village of Hillside, like public works department. Oh, okay. Um, and, but we've lived in Elmhurst, um, which is just over the bridge, um, that crosses over 290, um, from Hillside and Berkeley. And, uh, yeah, I went to high school there, um, had kind of, you know, the same core group of like my guy friends, um, that I've gone to some of them elementary school with. Mm -hmm. Um, and then. Went to DePaul University uh, mm-hmm. for college, but like, yeah, I've been in Chicago my whole life. I, I have to ask you, because I've been here 12 years, <clears throat> so 11, you know, about the same amount of time as you. Uh, are you tired of Chicago? Never. Um, I'm actually, I was just thinking about this today, um, because um, I think as we get into this, um, I'm essentially just like it's a it's a funny thing because I'm definitely a city kid um mm-hmm. or city guy at this point um city man yeah that's my superman you, name city man <laughs> <laughs> um you don't scale tall buildings you just build tall buildings hell yeah yeah there you go with um with well paid union labor hey good man yeah there no scabs go. no rats <laughs> um anyways so you know, I, I think I could always see myself living in like New York because also being um, a city like hippie, if you will, mm-hmm. I love the outdoors. I love hiking. Um, and, you know, kind of the problem with like, you know, I know I don't want to go live like in some mountain town because I need the energy of like other humans. Um, but like, you know, New York is... Not as good as Chicago, in my opinion, but it's definitely a place I could live. And then I'd be near, you know, Maine and Vermont and all those places that I also love that I've been to my whole life. And like, your, like did your family go to uh, New England a lot or is that? No. So um, kind of going back to my mother uh-huh. um, and her family, her oldest sister moved out to Burlington, Vermont um, to work at IBM. Um, did and- you marry John Fishman? What? <laughs> no, my mom did. No, no, oh. no. I'm kidding. Wow, you're John. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Fishman. Yeah. Bo- Hi, I'm Bob Fishman. Um, Go ahead, sorry. No, 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 you're good. Um, and so my mom went out there being so this is her oldest um oldest sister that's like nine years older than her. So big role model in her life growing up. Um, and she went out there to do a nursing residency. But my mom um, unfortunately does not love the outdoors. So Burlington was not the spot for her, but we would always go visit there. Um and, you know, I think as a kid, I, I probably would have preferred to be watching TV or playing video games rather than being outside. But um, as I've grown up, um, I love being outside. And that's kind of you start to forget the love you have for Chicago when you can't go outside anymore. 
like in the winter. I think that's really that's pretty well said. And I I think another thing for Chicago uh, is that we live on the side of this giant fucking lake that's like an ocean. And this place in summer is there's no place better. It's the best than fucking Chicago in the summer. Um, so uh, I think that's well said. And yeah, there is the opportunity. I'm from Illinois as well. There are opportunities around to get outside, but you're not going to have as scenic uh, uh, views unless you go down to uh, Southern Illinois University of Carbondale, who are now accepting students. <laughs> uh, you know anybody who wants to go, um, but down there, I mean, Giant City uh, Park and uh, all sorts of stuff. Beautiful area, but um, so I mean, have you been to Michigan? Michigan is. I have like, been. Michigan's beautiful. Upper Michigan. Ooh. I mean, the further up you go, the better it gets. And um, fun fact, which I unfortunately haven't fact checked, so take me, you know, at my word on this. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly, it has more shoreline than California. Because if you factor in the UP and the entire uh, state, um, well, yeah, the, you got, the whole you got state's ashore. On, yeah. That's one fucked up mitten. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to the UP once, uh, and I really liked it, and I'd like to go back. But uh, <clears throat> So you grew up in Chicago. Talking about your parents, did you have any siblings? Well, my sister. Your sister. Which is why we're here. Yes. Uh, and older, younger? Younger, nine years younger than me. Just like your mom and her sister. Exactly. Well, yeah. she had two in between there, too. So oh, okay. She's is your mom of, the youngest? Yeah. Both my parents are the youngest. Uh, my mom is one of four, and my dad is one of five. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Classic, you know, 60s, 60s, 70s, uh-huh. you know, suburban white families. <laughs> Polish, okay. Italian, oh, Polish. Irish, well, you know. Chicago. Chicago yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Chicago. Um, you, uh, well, being in Chicago, Polish, Irish, Italian, like, do you have a large family around here? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, really quickly, just to take a, take a second and give them a shout out is, um, you know, while we get into this, um, you know, obviously terrible thing that's, that's happened, um, I just have to give a shout out to my grandparents, my mom, my dad, my aunts and uncles, my cousins, like, without them, I mean, things would have my my journey to get to this point would have been way worse and way different. Um, and I can only imagine how bad it must be for for someone to go through this and not have like that that family net um, and that that channel of support. I mean, even out like you know, even without all the friends um, and members of the community that have helped us, like our family is just insane, and I'm so lucky. Um, to have them all in this area. But yeah, like the only people that have moved outside of the Chicagoland area are like I mentioned, my mom's um, oldest sister mm-hmm. and her family. Um, they now live in Idaho and then, you know, the kids are grown up. So they live throughout um, the West. Mm-hmm. And then um, my dad's brother and uh, his sister, I'm sorry, <laughs> his wife, um, they live uh, yeah, <laughs> in, uh, in Arizona. Okay. Um, well, and, and I just have to say, I mean, <clears throat> let's just talk about, you know, what we're talking about. Um, obviously a very traumatic event, um, and a, a really lovely way to call out your family. Um, because in the end, what else is there besides maybe friends? Right. So, um, you know, what, what, what are you referring to? In what way? 
like uh when you say when this happened and that oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. of course um so in august of 2015 um my sister who was 13 at the time um i was 22 um she passed away after being in a coma from suffering from anaphylactic uh reaction or anaphylaxis is the the technical term. Um, that's what happens when you ingest something that you're allergic to, um, which unfortunately, you know, and we could obviously get into the issues of agriculture and things that are being put in our food that we don't know about. But unfortunately, she had an unknown allergy to something she consumed that day. Um, and and that was the cause of it. Wow. Jesus. Okay. I... Um, <clears throat> I, I, I obviously knew what we were going to talk about. My eyes got big because um, I, I, I guess I was lazy and hadn't done the math. Uh, I didn't realize it was that recent, right? And I remember exactly where I was, you know, in August 2015. So uh, such a fresh thing. So you're you're nine years older than her. Um, so I'm the youngest of two, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what it's like to have a, <clears throat> a younger sibling, although I'm still, you know, my parents have been divorced. This year will be 30 years, but maybe. Uh, maybe I'll have a younger sibling, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> what, what was that like, being that much older? Because my, my sister and I are three and a half years apart. Being nine years older, like, what was that weird or? Uh, yeah, um, I mean, it was a little weird. Um, we We had, you know, we had our moments like, you know, I was thinking about like great memories I've had with my sister. Um, one of them that comes to mind was I think I was like a freshman in high school and we went to Disney World. Yeah. Like, what does a 15 year old do in Disney World? But it was actually very fun. And honestly, it was. Complain? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, where's like the teen nightclub that I can go <laughs> to or something? Teen nightclub. Um, but yeah, like, you know. That was one of the first times where I kind of learned that, you know, everything doesn't have to be about you. That's a that's a very important lesson to learn as a as a as a young man. Um and meaning that like just seeing the the happiness that my sister, who was I'm gonna do terrible math here, six, five, six, um, get to experience, um was that was the vacation. That was enough for me. Um and like, you know, we had these things where we would bond. Um, but that's also to say that, you know, when you look at the grand scheme of things and you realize how close people are with their siblings that are a year, two year, three years apart, like they grow up in the same, mm-hmm. they know the same pop culture. Oh, um, they yeah. grow up in the same, you know, I guess era. Um, cause we really were like an era apart. Like what was cool when I was you know, her age was, wasn't cool. What year was your sister born? 2002. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's a, I mean, just first thing off my mind, uh, that's post nine 11, right? Yeah. So you're, you're born in a totally different time. Yeah. Um, and really quick shout out, um, before, you know, popular culture and media influence ruined her taste in music. Um, her favorite Bob Dylan song was who killed Davey Moore. I had to tell you that. Your sister's favorite. She was like six years old singing that around the house. She was heady, dude. Uh, Dude, why and what the reason for? (laughs) That is amazing. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, cool. Well, that's that's my dad. Yeah, yeah, your dad's a big Dylan fan. But so he would play that, and your sister was just walking around the house at six. (laughs) She she just been to Disney World, and so she's not singing "It's a Small World." She's singing (laughs) "Who Killed Davy Moore." Yeah. So she had a a social conscious. 
that yeah. and or like a boxing fan she saw um or i don't think she i don't know if she even saw the movie but like she might have heard the soundtrack to like walk the line she loved johnny cash too um oh, that's so awesome. but then it was like it was one direction backwards from there pun intended yeah okay <laughs> so being nine years older than her, uh, other than, which was really lovely stated uh, about going to Disney World and seeing her being so happy around all those things and realizing, oh, it's not really about me. And you're right. That has to happen. Or, you know, you become president and a monster. So, uh, <laughs> um, the greatest yeah. president. Uh, did you, did you, but you had to at 15, if you're not at Disney World, did you feel like, ah, geez, you know, you're a baby or that type of thing like yeah totally totally yeah. and like um you know it was fine but she's a kid so she's a little kid you know me and my friends are like in my basement in high school like probably trying to steal my parents alcohol and like i don't know like find the the the, the porn channel that's gonna like break through on accident or something oh, i yeah. don't know what do yeah. what do 15 year old guys do when they hang out no that's exactly it um and like you know, she would just come down and like want attention. So she would come down and start like screaming and like throwing things at us and stuff and just being a kid. And it's like, it's those moments when you look back and you're like, like, oh, what I would give to have that again, like, or anything for that matter. But like in the moment, you're like, oh, like, why is my like, like, oh, she's just always around. Like, she's this little brat, blah, 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 blah. What was her name? Annie. Annie. So would you say, Annie, get out of here? Yeah, well, I always called her Ange, um, which was <laughs> kind of a, th I love that. Uh, that was kind of a, a family thing, I guess, because um, my dad's brother, his wife's name was Annie, and that was always the thing that I, like, we always called her Ange. Um, the and, whole family, the whole Im immediate family. Yeah, yeah. And okay. so um, I don't think that many people called, like, I don't think that many people in my family called Annie Ange besides, like, me and, like, my parents, though. Okay. So the, yeah, so that, uh, and I'm also really fascinated uh, by immediate families and the the whole um, culture you build up and spin up around yourself, and the whole sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Like um, my sister, my mom, and I. <clears throat> you know, my parents got divorced when I was eight. My sister, my mom, and I. We have a, our own world of sense of humor, and it's yeah. like the most comfortable place in the world. So to hear that even something like a name. Yeah, right, with with a, the immediate family is comforting. Um, so that that was when you're 15. Um, I I don't know about you. From 15 to about 37, um, I was a real prick. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you couldn't tell already by my attitude. Yeah, I'm um, real fucking tired of it. Can we stop? <laughs> Am I? Nope, not allowed to stop. Okay. Um, did you? You kind of grew out of that. We're in the basement trying to fucking get some alcohol, look at the porn. Uh, you go to school at DePaul, as you said, here in Chicago. Yeah. Um, did you guys, did your relationship change as she got older? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, you, you, you grow up and, and irony becomes a real thing because, you know, towards, towards the end of her life, she entered that, that not, you know, she unfortunately never made it to high school, but even when you're, you're 12, 13, um, you know, she was, if it was the summer, she was gone. Like she was riding her bike around town with her friends. Um, and you know, I'm also grateful that I'm, this is going back to the age gap thing. Um, I'm really grateful that, you know, we weren't a couple years apart because, 
you would hate to see I would hate to see my sister getting into the same kind of trouble that I was getting into. Can you do you feel like expanding on that or should we move on? Well, sure, but like yeah. I was the firstborn, so uh-huh. you know, I always joke like it's my it's my job to like break my parents in. <laughs> um and I would say I went pretty far in that direction, meaning like that, you know, I and I know that it's hard for them because like, you know, your firstborn's your firstborn and Yeah. You know, I think there there's all kinds of like psychology related to how you feel how you like you you feel about your firstborn no matter what you might say to other people. I've thought um, about that a lot. Like I, yeah. I just can't imagine the overwhelming all of it, right? Yeah. Well, and so, you know, my like and that's another thing people never point out is like, especially um especially your parents' generation, my parents' generation, like um those people were having kids like right now like i can't raise a kid right now right um and they're still kids yeah like raising a baby yeah uh my i was six Mm -hmm. uh when my dad was at this age yeah i've still got more hair in them (laughs) um but but yeah yeah because you got married you had kids yeah and now there's it's a different thing yeah um and so I I really appreciate that. I feel like she got to live her own life um, being that far apart from me in terms of age, like, you know, like her and her friends. And, you know, you could talk about, you know, gender and things of that nature, I guess. But, you know, her and her friends were just doing very different things than me and my friends when we were in middle school. Um, Yeah. Like, dude, 13. We want to talk about like guys in high school. Let's talk about guys in middle school. I'll like cross the street if I see 13 year old boys for sure. Like they are dealing with so much and there's so much weird testosterone that they don't understand yet Uh that they, all they want to do is like break shit and like they want to get into like serious trouble and like, just like, I don't know. And is why Limp Biscuit happened. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But when I was in middle school, I was just all about scholastic bull, uh, which is why we're here. Anyway, uh, <laughs> okay, so um, you're 21, 22, you're finishing up, you know, coming to the end of your time at DePaul in school. Yeah. Um, she's 12, 13. You know, uh, you had mentioned earlier, much earlier, that your mom's sister, nine mm-hmm. years older, moved out to Burlington, and you used the word role model. Yeah. Words. Do you feel like you were a role model for, for Annie? Yeah, I, would, I mean, God, you got to hope to think so, right? Um and yeah, I think I was in a lot of ways. It's not like, you know, it's not like I brought any of the 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 negative stuff that I was doing home with me in that sense. Um and like, you know, I I I don't think she ever because that's another thing too, like towards the end of my college career, which is like, you know, inherently when you're probably like partying the most and staying out late and coming home at not 4 in, in the morning and um but like yeah if you know i don't think she saw any of that which was good and so obviously you know to pat myself on the back i think i have some good qualities as well and i think that's definitely what she picked up on like she was definitely um she was definitely like me in the sense that she had a sense of humor Mm -hmm. she was definitely like me in the sense that she's a leader she would have you know and i'm i'm the same way i try to be a good friend um to people that i consider friends um, 
And she was absolutely the same. Like if there was one thing any of her friends would have said about her, it was like very inclusive. Like she hated the whole like, you know, girls growing up like click thing, like where you have to have a best friend or two best friends. And then anyone outside of that is like outside of the group, quote unquote. Um, she was always inclusive and always wanting to go do things with bigger groups of people and make sure that no one left or no one felt left out. And that's like the important shit. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that I hoped that I instilled in her. Wow. Yeah. That, um, it's well said. Um, so, uh, uh, so she's, you know, 12, 13, and then, um, you're off at college. Well, I was actually, I was, so I was off at college, um, like 20, I turned 21 in my Wicker Park apartment. Um, shout out to my buddies, Barnes and Cronin. That was a wild place. Yeah. I lived with Barnes and Noble, but, (laughs) um, but yeah, like, so I turned 20 there. So, and I, and I remember 21 turned 21 there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I remember the reason I moved out was to take a road trip. I was in college and I was in college and I was like, well, I can't do both. So very, again, being, um, a well showered hippie. Um, (laughs) what a great phrase. Yeah. 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 So being a hippie that likes to shower, I was like, uh, Hey guys, can we find someone to take my room? Um, cause I'm going to just go drive around for like a month and do this thing. It was in the summer. Um, and so um, I was actually back home and that's so I'm grateful for that time again, because moving back home and now we're nearing like, you know, obviously uh, we didn't know this, but nearing the last like probably year of her life, um, we would have lots of nice time together. Um, we would, I would give her rides um, to go meet up with her friends if I was around Um and, you know, mind you, this isn't like early college where you have to go out every night. So I'm kind of over that. Um, and, you know, we would have time just alone in the house, like, um, you know, after maybe after school, if I didn't have class that day or I was done and our parents were both at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that was that's the sad part um, is that. You know, we were just getting to that age. And I, t- I have talked to a lot of people who have um, a big age gap between them and their siblings. And it's like, yeah, like once everyone grows up, like that's when the real connection starts to happen for for siblings of that nature. And it's not like um, it's not negative. Like, you know, she had to go be a kid. And I, you know, the, the last thing I was going to do was be mad if she wanted to go hang out with her friends rather than hang out with her 22 year old brother mm-hmm. that she has nothing in common with the days right now of her coming into the basement and being like, ah, yeah, yeah over. Yeah. She yeah. wants to be with her friends. No. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm yeah. coming into the basement. Yeah. Now you're like, Hey, uh, I'm not going to throw anything cause I might hurt myself, but, uh, let's hang out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> okay. So you were, you were at home and you got some, some good time with her, uh, before you, or around the time you went on the road trip. Um, <laughs> and then, so once you're back from the road trip, are you in, but where are, uh, do you move back to Chicago? No, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So um, I turned 21 in that apartment, and then that was in January. So then that following summer, so it would have been the summer of 2014 is when I went on that road trip and moved out. And then I just moved back into my parents' house. So that's 
That's the time. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Okay, got it. So the fall of 2014, you're living at home. <clears throat> yeah, all the way. And then summer of 15 is when um, she was at um, her friend sleeping over and this happened. She was at a like a sleepover. Yeah, so she was having... I don't know if you did this. It might be like a, a regional thing. But like me and my friends always did it growing up. But, oh, well, pretty much until high school. That's when it kind of becomes lame. But like you'd have like a sleepover like at the end of summer going into your new year. Uh-huh. with your friends um and i always thought that was cool because her like i never told her that that's what we did and it was never communicated but her friends did that and we did that and that was like a thing that i guess was not like generational and that's another thing that probably you could look back on and just w- when you were seeing it happen you're like oh that's so cool she's doing the yeah. same thing as me um i mean to be honest with you my <clears throat> my best friend and 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 uh we i stayed at his house through high school like there's that was the thing was we spent the night at places and we would play fucking uh euchre uh the greatest card game ever known to man and then we'd uh play like uh old pro wrestling video games yeah and we would just laugh all night and it was just the fucking best thing pop and junk food right and yeah like and be like we're gonna make it till yeah yeah we're gonna make it till 5 a.m or 6 a.m yeah first person to fall asleep is like Uh you know we're we're fucking with you Right, like, and then you draw on them, and draw shit. on them, yeah. and mm-hmm. dip their hand in water and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Kid shit, fun stuff, right. innocent fun stuff. So your sister's at a sleepover like this. Yeah, uh, and then what happens? Um, so you know, obviously I wasn't there. I don't know, um, but apparently, um, you know, she was. This is another. You know, this is hard for for all of us. Is that like she's not at home, right? You feel like if this were to happen at her own house. Things could have maybe gone differently. Um, and then there was the the EpiPen thing that we'll get to, which, again, was something where it's like, man, this little detail, it could have changed the outcome of this. Um, but she was at the sleepover, and I guess, um, like, based on what her friends were telling us, she was, like, coughing really bad. So she texted or called my mom and said, uh, I don't feel well. Can you, like, can you come pick me up? And by the time my mom got there, she was, like, unconscious. And so, obviously, nine one one, I believe, had been called before even my mother showed up. Uh, just to ask, how how far was the distance between where your mom was coming from to this house? Oh, this is like talked? this is like less than a mile. So this is Jesus. like if we're looking at a if we're looking at a map um, of Elmhurst. Elmhurst is from from north to south very long. So it goes all the way from like Roosevelt Road, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way up to, well, this is a bad comparison because Grand Avenue goes on an angle, but if you're from the West Suburbs, shout out three, uh, 630, um, Bensonville is like the, the town next to uh, Elmhurst, uh-huh. and that's on Grand Avenue. And Grand Avenue, by the time it's out there, is very far north. Um, and anyways, I'm, I'm kind of trailing off, but it's oh, very, good. it's but like you can get, you know, this is like just over the, the train tracks in Elmhurst, so it's like less than a mile. So my mom, of course, like zips over there. By that time, the nine one one's called, and then that's the thing: is the first responder is not always uh, the ambulance or the fire truck or what you might is it need. Police? It's yeah. So like, yeah. there's a there's a call that goes out, and there's like there's an emergency happening here. Get there, and whoever's closest goes. And that's the bad thing is like when someone's having a medical emergency, if it's not like CPR, like what can the police officer do? 
that's why you know like people overdosing on heroin is a huge thing now so now police officers carry narcan yep um and you know first of all if you're doing heroin with your friends you should have narcan as well like if you're you know not to like but be fucking responsible and mm-hmm. like you can go get it at walgreens i think that was in the liner notes of the first velvet underground record <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. um but anyway so like that's you know that's another initiative that like has been taken because um where if someone's having that kind of emergency uh-huh. like you know you need that and there's no point to having it if the first responder is not going to have it so that's been having epinephrine in the hands of everyone that would be a first responder so mm-hmm. police officers firefighters mm-hmm. um obviously emts emts have it um but at that point we also i don't think they knew what was necessarily happening yet so they bring her to the hospital and then from you know that night happens and then she's transferred to um Lurie's children's hospital in uh park ridge somewhere on the north side um what in in the city of chicago or because is it no it wasn't in the city of chicago but it is like i think it's i think it's one is there more than one i don't know that i only know the one that used to be off of fullerton uh and is now down by like um the water tower place okay yeah, I think there's, I think there's like a branch of them, um, but anyway, she gets transferred there, and you know, kind of what I was talking about yesterday when we were when we were briefing on this thing was like you have this sister that's nine years younger than you, right? So she's always a baby in your eyes, and you hear that you hear like mom come in your room because I was living at home again, and she's like, right. I got to go pick your sister up from the sleepover, like something's wrong, and I'm like, oh, she's like she had like a nightmare or something because even though she's 13 and that wouldn't be a reason why she comes home from a sleepover in my head she's my baby sister so i'm like oh it's some you know whatever and then before like they get back home my dad's like oh like they're going to the hospital like something's wrong with annie and i'm like oh okay like maybe she had like i don't know you know it could be anything yeah um and so also I assume going to the hospital means Annie got in my mom's car. They're driving to the emergency room and they're like sitting in a waiting room, right? It's not like your sister's unconscious in an ambulance going to the hospital and they're going to have to like try to revive her. Like that's what I didn't know. And that's what like, to be fair, it's not like my parents were keeping that from me. Like my dad didn't know that. And my mom was like really the only one who even knew. And she wasn't going to take the time to call me up and tell me that she was like in the moment, like dealing with that. Um, and so that night I go to bed and I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, like what's, you know, what's going on? Like no one's home. And so, uh, I call my parents and they're like, yeah, we're at Larry's children's hospital. Like your sister's not doing well. She's in a coma. And I'm like, Jesus. But then at that point, yeah. And then at that point I'm like, I'm like, well, yeah, but like a coma's cause you're just trying to give yourself some fake optimism and stuff. And you're like, yeah, but like people go into comas all the time. That's just like a long so nap or something. What, that's kind of what you thought. So they said, your sister's in a coma. So you transition from... Or you know what? I don't want to... I also don't want to tell this the wrong way. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, and I could be completely wrong on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so mom, dad, sorry. Um, I'm pretty sure they didn't even tell me that. I'm pretty sure they told me like, your sister's in the hospital. You need to get here because they didn't want to like scare me. So so what, what did you think when you hear that? You need to get here. That would terrifying yeah no i mean and i and deep down i was and like that's the thing was like i remember like because i didn't say anything to anyone so 
you know, over the next couple of days, like people were calling and texting me like, like, Hey, what are you doing tonight? And I'm like, fuck dude, I'm not doing anything. My sister's in a coma. And they're like, Jesus Christ. Like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, don't like, yeah, I know. Like, it's fine. Like there's no, there's no right way to have this conversation. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Mm-hmm. and so, but yeah, like, so, you know, it, it definitely hits you when you go and you see your baby sister, like hooked up to machines and there's like a social worker there kind of already briefing you on like what the possible outcomes are of this. And, you know, first of all, let me preface this by saying like, it's, it's so enlightening and nice that enough time has passed that I can talk about this and not get too emotional because shit, I would say even like last year I couldn't do this. So like it's, I, I'm, I'm proud to be here and talking about this and, and be okay with it. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that happens and, you know, you call the whole family, um, and like, you know, my, my girlfriend at the time was obviously there all the time with us and, um, and yeah, the next nine days are just like, you know, me doing everything I can. Like my parents didn't fucking leave. Like my parents were at the hospital for nine days straight. I would bring them clothes. They would shower there. They never left her. Um, I would go home to like, you know, I would have to go home at night cause we had dogs. And, um, I also was just kind of like, and I think, you know, my parents probably designed it this way where like, I think I was removed enough to give myself, like I mentioned to you that kind of, um, like false optimism. Cause like, if you go home every night, you can kind of, you know, you can disengage. You, from you it. can you can go home. You can eat some food. Hopefully, you can have a drink and kind of be like, all right. And like, I mean, again, friends, man. Like, I got some friends out there. Um, and like every night, like friends would come over, sit with me, do whatever I wanted to do. Um, and you know, it was never like, what's going on? Like, how is she? It was like, what do you want to talk about? Like, let's talk about fish. That's or something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so some, some unshowered hippies then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but that's, that's amazing. The fact that they're like, no, we're not going to talk about that unless you want to. Yeah. Like, like of what, course what, it was always like, yeah. it was like, yeah, like, you know, if you, if you, if that's what you want to talk about, cause sometimes you do want to talk about that. Um, so I'm going to go ahead just for now. I'm going to put a little break in here, take a little break. Uh, and then we'll come back here on sad times with, uh, the great Bob gear. And uh, we'll uh, we'll continue the story. So awesome. Uh, we'll we'll see you on the other side. Yeah. Are you a fan of movies or comics or video games or just anything else nerdy? Well, you should check out the Zing, Zing this, this podcast. podcast, and that's spelled Z E N G this and we have nerdy topics from comic book reviews to in-depth analysis of iconic nerdy movies as well as video game discussions mm-hmm. where's some of the best places to find us Allie? well podbean of course you can also find us on itunes stitcher google play anywhere else you listen to your podcast, podcast. yeah so check us out once again that is zing, zing this, this. All right, welcome back in to Sad Times here with uh, Bob Lagier. Bob, how was your break? 
It was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good pee. Good. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Um, well, that's great. Um, uh, okay. So when we, when we left off, um, it, your, your sister had just kind of been admitted to the hospital and you had been there a little bit and I guess it, it's safe to say she was in a coma. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I guess before we continue, let me preface this, you know, cause we're going to be talking about the aftermath, which I think is the most important part. Mm-hmm. Um, there's things that I'm going to say, so there, there, it's important to distinguish, um, the difference between kind of my objective opinion on things versus my subjective experience. It's the only note that I'd like to make. And I okay. think you'll, you and whoever is listening mm-hmm. will start to see the difference. My mom. <laughs> my mom's gonna listen too oh oh they should be friends god we are so big amongst the moms i know we're huge i'm huge with my mom yeah Man, she's yeah. a big fan of me i'm like her second favorite person <laughs> after my sister yeah my mom took me to costco yesterday i've never been to a costco oh my god you gotta go you should go with your mom she'll probably buy you some treats Ooh. mom bought me so many chicken thighs uh <laughs> Like a okay. twenty-four pound pack because it's All right. Costco. Well, I guess you got the memo that this was supposed to be sad. Uh, so, okay, so uh, you, um, thank you for the disclaimer. Yeah. So, um, you, uh, your sister is in the hospital, um, and you've you've been there. You've hung out with your friends. Um, what I mean by hung out with your friends is you went home, you had to take care of the dogs, your friends came over and took care of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Take us from there. Um, yeah. So, um, I guess just kind of going through this, um, I also, you said this at the beginning of the podcast and I realized I kind of put my foot in my mouth. Um, I don't have an objective opinion. I have a subjective opinion. So I have my uh-huh. Um, my experience or viewpoint on the objective reality. That's what I was trying to say. I gotcha. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But <clears throat> anyways, um, so yeah, it's kind of just, you know, every day um, is the same. So you're essentially, you know, waking up like, you know, first thing I do is like look for texts or calls from my parents, you know, obviously hoping like, yeah, she's fine. She's up. We're good. Um, and then obviously in the back of your mind, you know, hoping that you're not getting the opposite of that. Right. Um, and you know, anyone that's gone through this, which I hope is the smallest population possible. Um, it just really sucks. And it could be, it could be anything. It doesn't need to be this specific example. Like if you've ever had a family member in the hospital, like unconscious like that, and you're staring at numbers on a screen. And basically the doctor and the nurses come in and tell you these are the numbers you want. And you're sitting there like you're at like a fucking roulette game or something. You know what I mean? Like you're like, right. like all right, get there, get there, get yeah. there. Like, and, I, and, then it, and then it goes up one and you're like, okay, yeah, good. And then it goes down one and you're like, oh God, wow. it's, it's a, yeah, it's a bad thing because that's all you have. Like, you know, obviously my mom has some more than that because she's, in the medical field. And right. She, That's right. Your mom's a nurse. Okay. And that like that, you know, that really helped because I can, again, th- like there's certain things that I'm so grateful for because like I can only imagine the other people that are in this children's ICU with us that don't know shit about biology and I don't have 
like my mom's friends that were doctors would come to the hospital and like talk to her and ask to compare charts and go talk to whoever was in charge. And like, like we had, and this is again, going back to like the network, like when my sister passed away, they shut down the LaGrange operating room and everyone, including the president of the hospital was at my sister's funeral. Like we had an amazing support system. Um, but I guess, yeah, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but anyways, um, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm just kind of, I was speechless by that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, every day at this hospital is just the same. Like I just, uh, expressed. So, you know, unfortunately we have this day where there was a night actually, and there was only, I think it was me my mom, my dad, um, my girlfriend at the time, and my grandpa, my mom's father. Mm-hmm. My mom's mother passed away um, quite a while back. Uh, I was in eighth grade, seventh grade or eighth grade. Okay. And there was a night where, you know, I, I could never tell you what, um, what this was calculating. I think it might have been like the pressure in her head. Um, and there was just a number on a board and it was like, you know, if it starts to get into those numbers, it's bad. And there was a night where it did. And I think she, I don't know if they like try, if they took, they definitely had to take her and, and do run some tests on her after that point to see like what the damage was. Take her from the room. Like, yeah, yeah. So, okay. I mean, I left before that point. So, okay. this was like right before I was going home. And I just mm-hmm. remember being like, you know, in a really bad place, obviously. Um, and like, from then on out, it was definitely more grim. And then there was like basically the day where, you know, we kind of decided we didn't, we didn't decide. Um, it was kind of communicated to us that, you know, this is not something she's going to get out of. And, um, I, I, t- I kind of talked to you about this yesterday, but, um, I was definitely at that point, like kind of in denial and, um, Sorry, can I interrupt for a second? Yeah. Sorry. When you say communicated to you that this is something she's not going to get out of, <clears throat> what what does that mean? Like a doctor came and said, hey, she's not going to get any better? Or what does that mean? Yeah, like so um, it was communicated. And again, because I wasn't in this, I refused, I refused to like hear that. Like I wasn't going to have a doctor come in and tell me that my sister was going to die. And I know that's like me just saying that is very heavy. Um, but I wanted no part of that. I was going to kind of just like be by her side and whatever. I know it's like kind of immature to be that way, but I was just like, no, 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 like this isn't going to happen. And um, so did you just, when, when, when the doctor said, I'd like to talk to the family, we were like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay here with her. Yes, exactly. And this was the whole family. This was my dad's brothers and sisters, my mom's brothers and sisters, all their kids, aside from maybe a few that were like, you know, at college and getting on a plane the next day to come home or something like that. So it was the vast majority of our family. Um, and they were in like a big conference room with the doctors. Um, and, I don't know if they flat out were like, you know, this is it. Um, I remember, I remember hearing that, like, basically, you know, my, my mom definitely pulled me aside and was like, Hey, you know, even if Annie, like, even if like a miracle happened 
and she somehow came out of this, you need to know that like she would not be your sister anymore. Like she wouldn't, she wouldn't have her, her personality. She would be like in a chair, like a zombie. And that was like the best case scenario. How did you, how did you react when you heard that? That's something that you almost, it's like a, like a, like you don't, you don't cry. You don't, get mad you don't like like you're like numb it's i yeah i don't i don't know what the it's like out of body yeah um and so yeah um you know the day came and um i went home i was like i'm not gonna like be around here for this and i know that that's something my parents had to do that's you know they're that's their daughter. But I was like, I can't, I can't let that be like the last image. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I'm grateful that I left when I did because my sister was just fine. She was laying in a bed. Um, and then my parents came home and she was gone. And, um, you know, then the, the, the closure and the healing begins, um, which is kind of the most important part. Um, and so, like I said, I mean, the service. Ask how long was the the time frame from when you left? You're like, I'm gonna go home, whatever. And then when your parents came home after, you know, your I think it away. was. I if it was if I can't remember if I left at night and they came home the next day or if it was just later that day. Gotcha. But I remember I I I went home with the notion of like my sister's not coming home with them, and um. You know, to to kind of put things, hopefully, like, to have a little bit of a positive spin, um, like, the services and everything were something out of, like, that's when you find out, like, just how many lives someone touches. Like, like everyone in town was there. And this, is a, this isn't, like, some, like, you know, four, this is a 50,000-person town. There was a lot. You had to wait, like, three hours to get into her wake. Really? Yeah, this is, I mean, like I said, like, my mom's department at the hospital was closed. Like, they didn't schedule any surgeries. Mind you, this she doesn't work like an ER. There weren't, like, people waiting to be. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. There, were, there were people who could wait. Yeah, yeah, hours. these are, these are yeah. scheduled, like, mm-hmm. s- shoulder surgeries and stuff like that. So I, everything was fine. But, like, yeah, like, nothing but the most respect from, from everyone. Um, and meanwhile, you know, like during this whole period of time where she's in the hospital, there's candlelight vigils in our town. There's, you know, prayer services at churches and people are, you know, bringing over food to our houses and flowers and like, my God, the flowers like just filled our whole house. And were they bringing like, <clears throat> excuse me, food, casseroles? Things yeah, like that. everything, yeah. like all that stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and were you guys, a, sorry, were you guys a church uh, did you have a church congregation that you were a part of? Uh, yeah, technically. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't go to that. Um, well, me but I, I am a confirmed Catholic. Yes. Um, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Not my, it's, not my choice. Actually, by the way, hold on, <laughs> let me look at the time. My nephew is about to be a confirmed Catholic. Dude. Yeah. Congratulations. Talk about sad times. <laughs> um, anyway, go ahead. But yeah, so. And that, um, you know, that's a good, um, point in terms of the, you know, how we cope. So me, my mom and my dad, I think all coped in very different ways. Um, 
and you know my dad being very strong in his faith that's kind of the route he went is, okay so he's um, a he's a very strong catholic yes catholic, yeah, yeah okay. and i think you know to his credit like that's what i mean is we say these kind of like little jokes and, yeah i'm joking yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no yeah. but and that's okay and i feel the same exact way as you or i like i knew from a very early age that like and i don't know things could change but like i was like i do not subscribe to that um but he does, and well, when you're 38, you're gonna come out with an album called "Slow Train Coming." <laughs> uh, and no, sorry, go ahead. So he yeah. does, and he and he always has. Does he go to mass every week? Yeah, yeah, he goes to mass. Um, me and my girlfriend got him like a a book for Christmas that has like a little you know passage in it for each day. You can like take notes on it and stuff like that. Oh wow! And okay. he's like, you know, he's not like I said, he's a very private guy, so he's not going to go out there and be like, you know, you need to like follow the. He's not like one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God, pun intended. Yeah. Um, Amen. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I, I truly do believe that that works for him, and I truly believe that it's given him a lot of peace. And I think, you know, God, among the among the unhealthy ways that you can deal with something like yeah. this. That's, that's got to be one of the best. That's got to be one of the healthiest. Yeah, right? absolutely. You have your, that outlet, and yeah, I, I mean, look at if I may, uh, you know, I make light of all this shit, uh, but I'm somebody who that's the only way you can do it, man. Yeah, well, that's also true. Yeah, uh, fortunately, never had to deal with this, but you know, I, I have my own uh, comeuppance and uh, fr- frustration with religion, but that that doesn't mean that it's wrong for everybody else it's just wrong for me yeah well and and at that time like going through that that was when i was angriest about that kind of stuff too you know you just have angry at god if there is a god like yeah well that was my that was my question right my my ultimate question is like how can there be a god if this kind of stuff happens i and And even the strongest but that's the thing that's that has nothing to do with if you talk to a Christian, that's not what the faith is about. You're not asking why do bad things happen. The belief is that these things happen for whatever reason, and you know, dealing with it is kind of the the human suffering. That like I can get behind that part. I can get behind the fact that life is kind of suffering. Like, but really, well, don't get Buddhist on me. Well, I actually yeah. did get into Buddhism oh, for a while too. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, I keep fucking. I give everything away. <laughs> well, no, 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 it's fine. Um, and, and I, yeah, I, I totally understand that. Basically what it comes down to me, and this is, I think there's a lot of good stuff in every single scripture of every religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's things in there that every decent human being should absolutely follow. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the real thing is that I don't think I, I can't get behind. I can't put my faith into an idea that there's something beyond what we're doing right now in this existence. That's more real than this. That's, Sorry to get like, no, that's just the, the nicest thing anybody's ever said about my podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. It's, you know, we try to be real here yeah. on sad times, but no, no, I'm the same way. The way that I say it is not as eloquent as that. I say when the brain dies, I don't understand how there can be life. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, that's me though. Yeah. Well, and these are the kind of things you have to think about when something like this happens is because I am very spiritual, but you know, I kind of have this weird again, I'm sorry that I'm such a hippie, but I have this weird kind of feeling that like the whole, like putting people in the ground 
is all part of kind of this like environmental like like i feel like i absolutely believe that you could feel like that i felt my sister in like the wind or like that like a tree reminds me of her or that you know like anything like that where it's like i truly believe that like the soul stays on this planet and it kind of like almost becomes part of it and that's why like you know look at like look at the veins in your arm and the veins on a leaf like same thing all these are signs that i think that like we are much closer with like the earth and the environment than a lot of people unfortunately think yeah well they don't yep yeah, right um are you saying there's something wrong with my veins <laughs> no i'm saying there's something wrong with the way that um donald trump protects your veins well that's been that's enough or the lack there of protection what? can we turn this off that's upsetting <laughs> that's upsetting to me uh it's upsetting to i'm just kidding um okay all joking aside <clears throat> i agree with you 100 percent. yeah and i'm not and i'm not an unwashed hippie or a washed hippie uh, uh <laughs> i'm just a washed failure so uh <laughs> I, but I agree with that. I think I think it's all as one circle of life, whatever you want to call it. You know the the, the Tom Waits song, "Dirt in the Ground." We're all just going to be, etc. So there's a fish song called "Dirt" that's also lovely, kind of that, a similar is it vibe. That same thing. Yeah. Is that right? What record is that on? Or Farmhouse. Record, is that on Farmhouse? Because I love the song Farmhouse. Farmhouse instinctively makes me have to pee. Do you need to? Do we need to take another break? No, no, no. Just don't play it. Okay. <laughs> this is okay. So. Now you've talked about how your dad yeah uh, dealt with it. Um, how did you deal with it? Well, we'll get to that. I want to talk about my mom because she okay. And you know what? This is again. This is just my opinion, but okay. like a mother and their child is. I can't. I have no concept. Exactly, and 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 that's the thing is. I don't want this to turn into an opinion on like what gender is and, and man versus woman or anything like that. But like no one's taking this harder than my mother, like period, even me, even my dad, no one like, and her story is very interesting because being a mom and being strong, she immediately like at, at the, the luncheon we had after, after the funeral, um, which we'll get to, um, shout out to my uncle that paid for everything at this awesome country club. There was like 300 people there. Beautiful. Like, you know, that's like, that's how you want to send someone off. Um, and like at that, at that lunch, my mom came up to me and told me the inception of this foundation. Like that's how quick Sorry, you say this foundation. Tell me what you mean. Yeah, the Annual Gear Foundation. Um, it's a... I would rather wait and get to that okay. at the end. All right, so um, okay, got it. But, you know, to... I can... Oh, I guess I should tell it now because of the sake of her story. So, uh, the Annual Gear Foundation is something we set up because we realized, like I was telling you guys earlier, um, or you, there's no one else here. No, nobody Wink. else is here. Um and so what I was telling you earlier is that, you know, there's these little things you think of where it's like, what if the police officer had an EpiPen? And like, that's literally. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be an asshole. Can you just explain what epinephrine is? Or yeah. EpiPen is, please. Um, so if you have an allergy, mm -hmm. 
God, I pray that you already have one. Um, and now, good news. So 2020, um, one of the legislation rules in Illinois is that every single insurer, no matter what insurance you have, you could have the worst insurance on the planet. They have to cover the cost of epinephrine. That was Everyone. not a, that was not a rule until 2020, which is fucked up. So, so you'd have to go, I'll tell you, so you have yeah. to go to the, so EpiPens are retailed at $500 a piece if you don't have insurance. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. For kids. 500, for children? For kids. And they, they recently made it so that you have to have it. But so, you know, they're, I guess, um, whoever, whatever shitty company makes these things. Um, who would know whatever shitty company charges that much for this life-saving drug? Um, their logic there is that there's like, um, you can go get kind of like, um, off brand, just like needles at CVS. Wait a minute. Hold on. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Does that mean buy a needle? No, no, no. So like, but the whole thing, the whole reason people, you know, like especially a child, mm-hmm. a child doesn't want to stick a needle in their arm. That's why they made this device because it's this nice device. It's a pen. And so you put it on your leg and uh-huh. you press down and then it sticks you with a needle, but you don't see a needle go into your skin. Oh. It's a very clean process yeah, yeah, yeah. and right. it's super simple. You press, if you're having, you know, you're having an allergic reaction, yeah. you press it, you count to 10 and you're good. Mm-hmm. So there are like, you know, cheap kind of like the term EpiPen is a trademarked thing. Like okay. EpiPens are not a like thing Kleenex. that people have. Like yeah, yeah. Or, or Coca-Cola. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, these things have been, and, you know, we didn't know any of this. And then we found out how crazy this whole scenario is in terms of like the medical field and, and how expensive these are and, and all this stuff. Um, and so the entire mission of this, um, of the foundation we started was to just simply make epinephrine more readily available. So number one was getting legislation passed in, in Illinois because it's actually against the law for a first responder to carry it. Why is it against because the law? Because you have to have training and funding to buy oh. them and then training to administer them. Because So this is another thing where it's like, technically, if you're a police officer and something like my sister happens where they don't have an unknown, they have an unknown allergy. And so you don't know outright that this person's having an allergic reaction. I think depending on, you know, what state they're in, what medication state, mental state or physical, like not like the state, like Illinois, um, depending on what state they're in, what medications they're on, what their health is like. If you shoot someone with epinephrine, they could possibly die. Um, again, I can't, I, I don't know that for a fact, but I think that was like the reasoning as to why it wasn't so readily available um, is like the potential health risk of giving it to someone who doesn't need it. Because we also found out that people use these things like, like for fun, kind of like, like, like um, we found out somewhere, somewhere, somehow someone was, or people were like shooting themselves with EpiPens because it's like adrenaline for like sports, like before a sports game. Oh, really? I, I mean, that could have totally been like a word of mouth rumor, but it's something that I heard. Um, but anyways, yeah, the whole point of this foundation was to do just that is to, you know, and we we went down to Springfield and we created the, the Annie Laguerre law in Illinois 
um, that allows first responders to carry epinephrine. So as long as your city or your community has um, the funding to buy buy EpiPens and train your police department, your firefighters, et cetera, on how to use them, you can carry them and everyone has them. And now between that and the law in in Illinois about making sure they're insured, um, we feel pretty good about it. Um, but it's not just that it's getting them on school buses in schools, um, you know, where, where these kind of things happen. And, you know, it again goes back to like just the human body and how crazy it is. Like kids are going through changes and this is when people develop allergies at like our age. Let's not say our, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Yours, I'm kidding. you yeah. old man. At my age. Yeah. 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 That's, that's what um, I read about that in AARP. Yeah. Magazine. Yeah. Uh, um, and so it's just, you know, it's trying to deal with the unknown in a sense that we try to regulate or mitigate as many um, instances as this happens. And actually, um, I can't remember when the date was. It was a couple of years later. Someone in Elmhurst had an allergic reaction without their EpiPen, uh-huh. was on the ground with anaphylaxis and a police officer came and gave them EpiPen and like they, last year. Like 29. And they like reached out to my mom and they were like, you, you single-handedly saved my life. Wow. So, uh, forgive and me. She's if gone I'm wrong. to like Washington and your like, mother has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, is I this, forget our representative out there or, uh, you know what? I don't even know if it was Elmhurst's like congressperson. It might've been a different district, uh-huh. but, um, she got somebody to be like, well, yeah, we someone like on the federal out. level. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing is, you know, it's such a strange situation that you can't expect anyone to really care or um, like, like this isn't on the top of anyone's mind. It's such a strange, like outlier-ish thing. Like comedians make jokes about it. Like my favorite comedians. <laughs> yeah. Like make jokes about allergies yeah. and Chuck I don't glory or like Ricky Gervais. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ricky Gervais. Yeah. I went and saw, um, one of my favorites, Joey Diaz, uh-huh. uh, in Austin a couple of years ago. And he wasn't making a joke about someone like having an allergic reaction and, and dying from it or anything like that. He was basically saying what's true, which is the way we've gone about, this is another kind of, um, uh, medical thing is the way we've gone about treating um, allergies is another kind of phenomenon, meaning that when you and I grew up and our parents grew up, yeah. they found out you had an allergy. They exposed you to it slowly. Right. They, they put the fucking needles in your back. Yeah. So, and yeah, then yeah. they well no, but they would say every day. So if you're allergic to peanuts, right? Eat a half peanut, mm-hmm. then eat a whole peanut, then eat mm-hmm. two peanuts. And eventually the, the, the theory was, and I, I mean, it's like vaccines. It's like your yeah. body creates yeah. bodies or whatever. Um, and so I, I, Somewhere along the line, people decided that that was wrong, and then the and then the um, and then the story was like, no, you're not supposed to expose them. To, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to uh, expose your kid at all to something they're allergic to, and that's what it's been like for like my sister's generation, right? Um, and I don't know, you know, what the current you know trends are, and if they're going to go back to the old way yeah. or, or what's going on there. And I'm not a doctor, so I don't. Um, I just play one. You in the Beatles song. Oh, uh, Dr. Dr. Robert. Robert yeah. yeah. Track um, 11 on Revolver. Very good. Yeah. Um, I mean, come on. 
I've there I've seen a fucking Beatles cover band called Dr. Robert in Carbondale on September 14, 2001. Don't even give me that fucking look, Brent. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. Um so and that's the th- I mean, that's is why I wanted to save the foundation thing for the end because the topic is still in case anyone's forgotten, um my mother. And so this is really tied up in the way she coped with things. So she of course started going to to therapy and um dealing with things and I think a very um, mature way um, and obviously you know it's I, I can't I can't even I'm not going to pretend like I understand I'm not going to pretend like I can imagine what she was going through at that time um, and you know she was extremely wrapped up in this foundation thing and we had you know annual walks like a 5k um, we had a 5k run walk for my sister in Elmhurst every year. Uh, and it was a run walk because she did not like to run. I love that. She'd be like cheating out of the, out of the school mile and shit. Yeah. Right. She'd yeah, be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fuck this. No, I'm not doing yeah. that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so funny. if you wanted to walk and it was great, like we had a lot of fun. Um, and it was a good, the, the problem that this whole, um, the, the foundation thing kind of tapered off number one, because, um, to be quite honest, it, it wasn't helping my mom. So she like was burying herself in this as an effort to. Was it exhausting? I imagine well, that was exhausting. Of course, like it's exhausting and it was taking up a lot of her time. But on top of that, you know, it's it's a beautiful idea to try to keep your daughter alive. But how can you move on if if that is if every single day you're working on something for Annie? You can't, you can't, and that's the thing is ever since she's kind of taken a step back and she still does things for this foundation and she still goes speaks at schools and, um, different organizations and things like that still to this day, she like, she's doing, she did it like last month. Um, but when it was an everyday thing and it was consuming her, her efforts outside mm-hmm. of maybe her job, mm-hmm. um, and she knew it, like she knew, cause I would tell her, I'm like, mom, you know, this, this isn't like healthy for you. Like, I know that, I know that you, like, it's not, you think you're doing the right thing. You are doing the right thing. Yeah. How, how, how long into it did you say that to her? Was it right away? Was no, it I a mean, year or two or? Probably two years, I would two, say, yeah. is when she kind of started to, to ease out of that. Um, but how and long that's when she you truly to her that it wasn't healthy for her? Like two years. Okay. Um, because at first I was like, this is great. Like, you don't, you don't actually start to see the effects for a year or two of something like that mm-hmm. because you're like oh like and that's the crazy thing is like something you think that you're doing good is actually not helping your um your mental health heal um and i think that she truly the last two years has been her period of like really really healing and 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 starting to feel okay uh and i feel like such a shit can piece of shit for asking this but does that mean letting go? Because the the way that you said it a moment ago, like, how are you ever going to move on from this yeah. if, if that's your whole life? Yeah, well, um, that's the thing. The, the terms like letting go and moving on, mm-hmm. um, those aren't things that, that are really true or that happen. Um, okay. It's, but if, you're, if your intent is to keep this at top of mind, that's not healthy. Even if like, mm-hmm. yeah, even if, um, even if the, the, the purpose is good, um, if this is all you're thinking about all the time, 
It's not good. And that's what I was, again, I keep reverting back to our phone call yesterday. Like everyone that's listening was was in on the call. Actually, um, they were. Uh, <laughs> because just my mother and um, uh, uh, Taylor. That's it. Yeah. That's, yeah. Who, that, that's who's listening. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, and, and to give my credit, like, if my parents were not as strong of people as they are, like, I wouldn't be okay. Yeah. So if I may ask you. Yeah. Um, I, okay. Let me just say this. Um, I've been listening to this uh, amazing story. Um, and I listened to it last night as we talked, you know, and, and I listened to it over text. Excuse me. Um, you know, in December. And, uh, of course, I've tried to put myself in that position. And what would I do if I lost my sister? Uh, and I just don't know how to fathom it, right? And so what I'm trying to say is <clears throat> you've gone through all of this. Your family has gone through all this. Your family is a close-knit unit, uh, whether it be um, your your um, immediate family or, or your family around. Uh, people were flying in, as you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, your mother is a respected member obviously of the community they they shut down the hospital uh the the surgery part of the hospital for a while for your sister's memorial um i still can't get my head around it and that's that's fine but what i want to ask you is you're how old were you 22 yeah so you're 22 and um i don't know about you but when i was 22 i made only right decisions (laughs) yeah Um, so how did you deal with it? I just studied really hard and, uh, you know, worked out all the time. No, I, I did quite the opposite of that. Um, so that gets, you know, to my kind of journey in terms of coping. Um, and you know, my parents are my parents and I think inherently if they see me struggling or if they see, like, if I was to get fired from my job or anything negative that happens in my life, they immediately are like, that's on us. Like, we're your parents. We're here for you. You like, mentioned that earlier about your dad. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, even for him to hear that I was going to come, like, share my story on a podcast like mm-hmm. this and and talk about, you know, the, the, the dark side of, like, what I went through, he couldn't help but be like, like, you know, like, like, I was there for you, right? And I was like, yeah, of course you were, dad. But like, none of us, like when you're in that moment, like we of course were there for each other. Meaning like I'm putting little bunny ear parentheses. Like Mm -hmm. we were there for each other, but like we're all going through this thing that no one, I don't care if it's your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, like no one can be there for you inside your, your, your spirit and your mind other than yourself. And until you fix that, and you can only fix that on your own, mm-hmm. there's nothing anyone can do for you. And so, like, I'm not going to get into details, yeah. but there was definitely, like, you know, like drinking and drug abuse. And my favorite drug is food. Um, that's a joke I've always said. Um, and, like, I remember I put on, like, 80 pounds in, like, probably 18 months. And then lost 80 pounds wait okay sorry yeah I, um would you just eat to be like 
that it made me feel comfort. good. Okay. So it was really a, it was a situation where like and again that's that's what I was kind of alluding to where like it's no one's fault, no one wasn't there for me, but I kind of took on this role of being like, you know, the rock, right? So I was there for my parents because like they were going through their shit and I think that they were because they probably weren't like numbing themselves in the way that I was they were much more emotional about it. So I kind of felt like it was my place to be the the non-emotional person and to be like, everything's fine, everything's good, like we're going to make it through this, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think but, you were aware of that at the time? That you were absolutely. doing Absolutely. You were. I was you're 100%. Like, I have to be this. I have to be this guy because I have like, you have like your grandparents, you have like old men like leaning on you. That's a crazy... That's a crazy thing. Aunts, uncles, everyone. And my immediate response, and it, was, it wasn't healthy. And, you know, let me just say that it doesn't have to be something like this. If you're going through something in life and your, your response to that is to try to numb yourself with chemicals or, um, you know, like junk food or anything like that, like it's all about the intent in which you choose to alter your mind. If you're altering your mind, if you're going to a concert and you take acid, I think that can be a very positive experience. If you're doing drugs, like if you're doing a substance because it's there and because you think it's going to help you forget something that is completely irresponsible, unsafe, unhealthy. And that's what gets you to a point of like, a very bad place. Um, and it can, and it can just be booze. There's no like hierarchy of like this drug's worse than this drug. But I mean, right. right. Like if you're, if you're consuming a substance or you're doing something that's unhealthy to you, it could be, it could be bulimia. It could be, you know, like self harm. It can be any kind of unhealthy habit that you're doing. And if the intent of why you're doing it is because you're struggling you need to stop because that pain is going to be there when you wake up, if you wake up, because it gets to that point. People die all the time and people aren't, you know, homeless doing drugs on the street because they're chasing a fun high. They're there because of something that's happened and their response was drugs and alcohol. Exactly. Uh, and by exactly, I mean, I think that's exactly right. Um, and I think that's extremely well said. And um, I know that uh, you went through uh, the trouble that you went through, um, obviously. And um, you dealt with it how you dealt with it. And uh, your parents dealt with it. And you were extremely, extremely brave to come here and talk to me about it. Um, and um, I just wish you and your family only the best. Um only the best. And I think it's amazing that your family's put together this foundation. Uh, tell me the name of the foundation again. Uh, Annie Laguerre Foundation. Annie Laguerre Foundation. Okay. And um, is there any place that people can go to support it or anything like that or no? Yeah. Um, Annie, uh, Annie Or it might just be ALF.org. Okay. We'll put that in the, in the show notes. Uh, for anybody who's uh, still listening, so Taylor or Taylor your mom or or my mom, yeah. Um, hey, mom. Um, I'm real sorry about everything. <laughs> um, uh, and I just want to. So that was a very, I feel like, like kind of 
dark and negative moment in this. Um, and like, this isn't some, this isn't some situation where like I became like a junkie or anything like that. It no, was simply just, it was, it was a, it was a coping mechanism that I've, right. I'm proud to say that I'm over. Right. And I turned this into things. Like I said, I, so I like gained a bunch of weight. I lost a bunch of weight. So, mm-hmm. you know, I run now that's kind of, you know, the, I, I created healthy habits for myself. Mm-hmm. I have a tattoo that reminds me of my sister. I'll show you when we're done here. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's my meditation. So I told you I got into kind of like Buddhism a little bit. Mm-hmm. So like my meditation is running with music. That's like really the only um, state of mind that I feel like I can be um, clear headed in. So I try to do that every day. Um, that's like a, a very healthy addiction I have. Um, and, you know, and it, it, this also isn't a story of like how I got sober either. Cause I'm not sober now. Um, I still, I still drink and, and do things, but I do it in a positive way, which is what I was alluding to. It's the, it's the, it's not that escape that you it's were talking the tool. About. It's it the, like alcohol. And I think we can talk about marijuana now that it's 2020, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, don't like, tell my dad. Yeah. 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 Um, but like, you know, th- those kind of things are completely healthy. I, I don't, I don't see any problem, like assuming that you don't have a dependency issue, like there's nothing wrong with you know, after a long week going out with your friends and blowing off some steam and going to the bar or something like that. Um, or, you know, coming home and, and smoking a joint or something like that to unwind. Like it's, that's, that's a healthy way that you're using a tool to alter your mind. An unhealthy way is saying, I'm going to do this for as long, like I'm going to do this until I pass out because it helps me forget something that I don't want to deal with. Or it helps me sleep. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think that's well said. So, uh, um, and I, I know people and I know uh, myself, I, I remember <clears throat> telling a mentor of mine in uh, uh, 2004, and he's like, why do you drink so much? I said, no, don't worry about it. It just helps me sleep. Yeah. And he goes, well, that might be an issue. And I was like, ah, it's fine. Speaking of. Thank you. Okay. Um, Bob. Yeah. Um, what a great story. And yeah. by great, I mean humane, amazing story that you've told. Yeah. Taking a negative and turning it into a positive. That's yes. like the whole, that's the whole thing. Um, and I guess I want to just say if there's, you know, the, the, the millions of people this is going to reach mm-hmm. and we're going to touch so many lives. No, but if I can, if one person hears this, that's going exactly. through something like this, reach out to Kevin, reach out to the podcast. He has all my information. Happy to start a dialogue with you. Um, and that's the whole reason we're here. And like I said, it doesn't have to be something specific or, or, or close to what I went through because I've actually, there's been people in my town that lose their siblings like since I've lost mine that I reach out to. And it's very touching when they're like a hundred people have texted me about this. You're the one I'm responding to because you get it. And you like, I know that when you sent me that text that it was like from your heart. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's all I can hope for. And if, if anyone, you know, let, I would love to, there's no, that's another thing too, is like, I was talking to my parents about this. Like, there's no like AA meeting for, for is this kind no, of shit. And, like, yeah, I'm not trying to be a shithead. Is there no like grief 
groups? I mean, of course there are. There's there's yeah. groups for people who lose a loved one. But like, that's the thing is everyone's story is so different and, and every story makes you feel differently and you heal differently from it. And like, to lose your loved one, that's why I was talking about the joke thing is because you can't expect a normal person to actually sympathize with a situation like this like it's so niche and it's so strange and it's but so it's, peculiar it's what everybody's afraid of right and it's yeah what everybody uh if they haven't gone through it it's i think it's enlightening it's a weird way to say it but it, it's something that they understand uh it, it's a good thing to understand and if they have gone through it as you said 100 people text them and from you they're like oh i'm gonna respond to you because you get it yeah right? And, um, obviously you get it. You're, um, I like to, uh, spend a lot of my time thinking about all the battles I've gone through and, uh, none of them are compared to this, right? I, I just would not know what to do. Uh, God forbid. Um, and I don't even believe in fucking God, but God forbid, <laughs> uh, this were to happen. I, I wouldn't know what to do. So, um, Bob, I appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, man. And uh, sharing your story and sharing your family's story. Yeah. And well, and I, it's crazy too, because when you live, like when you're, when you're from a place like I'm from, um, and this is something that I wanted to touch on earlier, and I'm sorry that we're kind of, you're trying to wrap this up and I keep dragging it on. Shut up. <laughs> no, keep um, going. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, yeah. um, Another thing too, when you, when you grow up in like suburbia, right? You like, like I fucking hate my hometown. Like I hate those, I hate those conservative like yeah. parents yeah. that were like calling the cops on me for being at the park past dark and stuff. Oh, no. And then you I grow didn't, up, I didn't do that. Okay. you grow up. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I mean, was I'm with you for a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm like trying to make this G rated if you will. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you like, you, 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 you kind of resent it in your early teen years. And then like when I was 22, and I watched the way that my community rallied around my family. Like that is some special shit. And I just want to thank the people that did that because these were the same people that I was probably cursing at and kicking rocks at when I was like a little punk. And, um, you, you don't appreciate it when you're, when you're that young. True. But going back to what you said much earlier, uh, about being 15, being at fucking Disney world, being like, ah, where's the teen nightclub, which I thought was great. Uh, and then realizing it's not about myself, right? And so it's yeah. it's another version of like, oh, okay, I was that version of myself, yeah. and now here I am dealing with this, and look at my uh, wonderful community. Yeah. No, and I mean, like, to see where we are now, like me and my parents, it's because we could have very easily just been another number where like something happens like this to a family, and the family just like crumbles. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not that at all. Like we, we host holidays and, you know, I was, I was making a joke to my buddy. Um, I was like, I think like, I think like my parents, like worst coping mechani- mechanism right now is like the amount of presents they get me for Christmas because like they were supposed to be doing that with my sister for the next however many years. And so like, if they want to spoil their grown child, yeah. thank you, mom and dad. I love yeah. the juicer. Um, I was going to say, are they just... They got me a really nice juicer. Just yeah. like, how many Mastodon records can you get yeah. somebody? Well, no, my mom got me... My mom, I had to send back some gifts. I was like, I don't need another pair of Ugg slippers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So, but it, like I said, if that's the worst thing 
that is happening right now in terms of like, you know, what a psychologist might say is like not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds that's, pretty that's, fucking healthy. Yeah, that's, 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 that's the yeah. best you can, you can hope for. And like to see where we're at, I'm just so proud of my parents and I'm so happy for them. Um, and yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm happy for myself. Like a big thing too was ship Bob. Um, because this is the company where you work. Yes, this mm-hmm. is a company where I met my friend Kevin. Um what an asshole. Yeah, he's a douche. Yeah. Um cleaning. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, like that opened up my network to so many people. It's 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 nice to meet people that don't know me as that. Because where I come from, like a lot of the people in my circle, like obviously like everyone in my circle circle, but like everyone in my network knows who I am. They know my last name. They know that story. And there's this weird, you know what I mean? And, and I think that moving outside of that, because before I was working at ShipBob, I was working, I was doing part-time work like at an accounting office. And I was like working at Jimmy John's, mm-hmm. which I was working at a very successful Jimmy John's. So I would go there and like deliver sandwiches for three hours and make like a hundred bucks cash. So it was like, a good little side hustle while I was like figuring out what I was going to do. But then I went and worked for, um, my uncle's company, which is like in that circle. So ship Larry. Yeah. Um, where like, you know, you go, you go out in town and that's the, that's your, excuse me. Um, that's the deal. And then at work, that's the, like, it's like, it's more and more of a bubble. Yeah. And so like, I'm so grateful that I went to a place and made so many new friends mm-hmm. that, um, I don't want to say I could be a different person too, but you know what I'm getting at, right? Like it's the whole, well, yeah, it's when I met you, I'm just uh, Bob to them. Yeah. You're, you're Bob and, um, you, you, you just, uh, um, you're the guy who likes music. And yeah. then, oh, we talk about this other stuff. And then, oh, my goodness. And then, let yeah, me tell you yeah. about my life, you know. So, um, and uh, you're wrong about um, Bob Dylan live, but that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I that was I threw that out there for your dad, unless he's with you. And, no, when I told him you saw him, he was like, oh, man, did he get his money back? That's, that's. So you and him, you and him can debate that. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. This is probably the best show I've seen. I've seen them 10 times. I mean, it's not fish. You know, was it 27 times you've seen them? Uh, yeah. I, I, so you're, you're a pup. Something you're like that. You're a fish pup. Yeah, those are rookie numbers. I got to yeah. get those up. Alliteration for those of you who don't know who fish is. Um, they're just well, the best. of the two of us, my mom. They're not even, yeah. they're not even just the greatest. They're the greatest art project that's ever existed. Sorry, we just lost your mom. Yeah, she's gone. And she's like, well, yeah, turn yeah, this yeah. shit off. No, we lost her the moment I said anything upsetting about Donald Trump. So <laughs> on that, uh, I, I think we'll wrap up. Uh, but no bullshit aside, you know, all the joking aside, thank you so much for coming on and of course, story right. and sharing it. Uh, I think it's brave, and I think your family's amazing, and I love, love, love from yesterday and today hearing about how your family... Um, bonded together i think it's yeah. one of the most amazing things and uh when i was a kid i used to be blah, 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 about even family and i was wrong and um 
thank you for sharing that. And, um, you know, thank you everybody out there for listening. And uh, remember, uh, next time you're going to light up a cigarette, light up a fuck. Fuck cigarettes. Just fuck cigarettes. You know what I mean? You yeah. know what I'm talking about. Uh, thanks, everybody, uh, for tuning in Sad Times. Of course, thank you, Bob, again. Thank and, you, Kevin. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. Bye. You've been listening to a fourth hand joint.